0: Let's get into the word here tonight again, Deuteronomy 26. Last week, um, we started, you know, we kind of closed getting into this chapter. And <clears throat> the first three verses, um, there was that reiteration of uh, the Lord telling the, the, that second generation when they went into the land that God was giving them, the land there of Israel, uh, to make sure that they gave to the Lord out of their first fruits that they honored God with the first of, uh, the field, the first of their livestock, the first of the provisions of the Lord, that in doing that, they would be acknowledging that God's the one that had provided those things for them and absolutely could be standing in that place of confidence that, uh, you know, they were in the Lord's economy. And then in verse, uh, four through, uh, 11, uh, the Lord, through Moses, he recaps God's faithfulness to them, calling them out of Egypt, where they were oppressed, and bringing them again into um, the wilderness there, how He has provided for them, and now getting ready to bring them into Canaan in that land of milk and honey, and told them that in that they should, uh, again, rejoice and be thankful. And acknowledge the fact that God's the one that has gone before them. And we kind of talked about our own lives, how we were brought out of Egypt, out of sin, and into relationship with the Lord through his shed blood, by grace, and through faith in him. And that we're called to be a people who rejoice always, a thankful people, a people who remember where we were and what the Lord's done for us. It's very important. Um, you know, it's very important in the in, in the midst of a world that Uh, is very grumpy, I've noticed, and uh, uh, very complain-filled, and uh, ungrateful, and unthankful. Uh, We don't want that to be us. We want to remember uh, the faithfulness of God to us personally, as well as all of the provisions we have in Him, and the great future, and hope we have in Him. It's just so important, especially in a world as well that, that is so hopeless man, don't get brainwashed by this nonsense around us. We got to remember in Christ, uh, listen, we, we have a great future and hope and uh, we're, we're a rich people and that we know the Lord. There's nothing more valuable than having a relationship with the God who made you and to have the person and work of the Holy Spirit in your life and... Um, just just his presence. And, and that's not something we have to usher in. You know? Oh, we're going to usher in the presence of the Lord. You know the Lord? The Lord's with you then. Tell, tell, you know, to, to, tell your last day here on earth and we'll be with him forever. And uh, that's a glorious thing. And uh, I always cringe when I hear that. Let's usher in the presence of the Lord. Hey, if I show up, the Lord's there. Because the Lord's with me wherever I go. Now, uh, he might not always be pleased with me. But praise God, he's faithful to me. And that's a glorious thing. Listen, that's reason to rejoice tonight. You know what? Uh, we don't have to usher him in. He's here. And that's a glorious thing. That's something to be thankful for. So let's pick it up here in verse 12. And uh, it's a continued theme of, of just that quick recap of the earlier part of the chapter. In verse 12 down through 15, let's read it together. He says, when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, The year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in, in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it uh, for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey." And so before he was talking about that general tithe of the first fruits, giving that to the Lord, and then we had read earlier in Leviticus that every third year, there was a special additional tithe that was supposed to be taken, Uh, another 10% that was supposed to be set aside every third year that was specifically, as it says here, for the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And so it was for those individuals, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, to be able to provide for them. As we've come across several verses that, you know, it, it's a picture of Israel's, if you want to call it welfare, welfare system, whether it was, remember, if, uh, uh, if they were gleaning their fields, they were to leave the edges of it for these individuals. If uh, a sheave of wheat would fall off the wagon they were to leave it for someone to come and glean. Uh, all of these different provisions given for those that perhaps were again new to the land, a stranger, the fatherless, the widow. These provisions, as well as a collection for them. So obviously, the you know the the Levites would oversee that as a uh, benevolence type fund to go help those that were in need right there in Israel. It would also be in part given to the Levite as part of his salary, uh, especially specifically there in any community. Because oftentimes when we think about the Levites, we initially, or we just go there to Jerusalem and the sacrifices and so forth. But the Levites were scattered throughout all of the tribes. And they would teach in the synagogues. They would minister to the people. Uh, They were like the local pastor, and so again, the Levites there in Jerusalem, where sacrifice would be brought and so forth, they you know they were provided for from those sacrifices as well as again in the local area, uh, this collection that would be taken. But it would be the salary for the Levite and help provide for the home as well as provide for those that uh, would be easy to forget. And it's interesting in the New Testament, it talks about pure and unfiled religion, and part of that includes ministering to the widow and ministering to the orphan and so it's interesting he says listen when you do this then you can say before the lord i've removed the holy tithe from my house and given it to again the levite the stranger the fatherless the widow according to your commandments i haven't transgressed your commandments and it's one of those things it's a picture of having something that if you kept that if you withheld that Really, you're keeping something that you think is going to benefit you, but it's actually going to be to your detriment in keeping it. And it's an interesting you know, a picture that's painted here concerning tithing. You know, How many times do people shrink back from giving unto the work of the Lord or their first fruits because they say, I need that, I'm going to be better off with that. And this is presenting a truth here of if you keep that back for yourself, You're really bringing a a type of judgment on yourself for even having that. So not only are you not going to be sustained, but it's actually going to be your detriment because why? You're putting your faith in that tithe over God, the one who provided for it in the first place, the one who has sustained you, the one who has brought you to that place in that third year to be able to give that tithe. And so in keeping it back, not only do you don't get to, to, to stand in the promises of, you know what, your, your, your barn's being filled and so forth that are given there in the Word of God, but then on top of that, now you're even in a place where you have like an accursed thing in your house because that's supposed to be a holy tithe given for the work of the Lord, and you're keeping it back for yourself. And so he says, when you have done this then you can pray in this manner, verse 15, look down from your holy habitation uh, from heaven and bless your people Israel. And so that could be prayed with a confidence to say, I've given unto the Lord. And so I have a confidence in this. And this is an area that God has told us to test him in. And we read about there in, again, Malachi, where he says, you know, you, you, you're lacking because You're holding back and you're putting trust in these things versus me who've provided for you these things. So step out of faith and watch me open up the windows of heaven and bless you. Now, I know in the New Testament setting, there's some individuals that say, well, none of this, you know, in the New Testament, we're not required any of these things. And and listen, all things are lawful. We're not saved through tithes and offerings. We're saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We're saved through him not giving 10% of his life, but 100% of it end of the story. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and him alone. But he has called us to be a people who walk by faith. He's called us to be a people that are a generous people. He's called us to be a people who, again, want to hopefully not only just give them of our first fruits, but honor them in all that we have. And all that we would have, we would want to honor the Lord. And the Lord does make it real clear in in, in the letter to those in Corinth, that he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, and that's in the area of giving. Now, he's not, Paul's not giving a formula there to get rich. That's not what that is. And I know there have been individuals that have twisted those scriptures to uh, try to put this formula, this get rich program, and the only one that gets rich is the guy peddling the unbiblical formula, but there is a confidence that you can know uh, that that you know in 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 the uh, book of Philippi, Paul wrote them and commended them that they even gave out of their poverty, and then you know what he said in that 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 God's gonna uh, you know supply all your needs according to His riches and glory, and that that was that promise was given there upon them walking by faith because they weren't putting their faith in that you know what material thing but they said listen even though we don't have a lot let's give unto the lord and far better to put our faith and trust in the lord to supply our needs than this material stuff over here that's come from the lord in the first place and you know this whole area of giving it really it's a, it's probably one of the greater tests of faith that you're going to find in an individual's life um giving unto the Lord. Under the work of the Lord, like here would be the Levites, the local synagogue, as well as giving to those in need and having a generous hand when there were people that were in need. And as believers, we are called to walk in both of those things, and especially with the needs of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So definitely, you know, we see the clear application for us and there's, uh, for them, and there's applications for us as well in this. Verse 16, he says, this is the day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore, you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart, with all your soul. Today, you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his judgments that you will obey his voice. Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he has promised you that you should keep all his commandments and that he will set you on high above all nations which he has made in praise in uh, which he has made in praise and name and honor that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he spoken. And notice here he says you need to be careful to to observe with all your heart and all your soul these commandments of the Lord. And I believe that's a real call to, A, not to get sloppy in your walk with the Lord, and then also not to serve the Lord half-hearted, because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He says, serve me with all of your heart. Don't keep half of it back from me, Why would you want to keep half of it back from the Lord? Oftentimes people doing that saying, well, you know, I I want to serve the Lord here, but over here I want to do my thing and whatnot because I got to have a little fun in life. And listen, what the Lord has for you fully is so much better than you're ever going to muster up out of anything on that other side or you hold back from him. But again, it goes down to uh, being an issue of faith. And so again, he's encouraging them, observe these things, be careful to observe them with all of your heart and all of your soul. And then he encourages them in telling them that, you know, you're his, you're, you're his special people. And indeed, Israel was his special people. He had set Israel aside for what? For the purpose of bringing forth the Messiah of the world. That's a special people, wouldn't you say? Out of all the nations, he says, I'm gonna birth a nation from a guy named Abram that means, you know what, a father of many and he doesn't have any kids, and, and then I'm going to change his name to Abraham, which is like it means implies father of, 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 of multitudes or nations, and I'm going to do a miracle in this guy and his wife and they're barren and they are beyond the, the the ability to even have kids, but I'm going to bring forth a miracle baby and birth the nation that that they could be my special people set aside and it's not that they were more special than anyone else. Listen, the Lord loves the world, the Lord sent his son to die for the sins of the world, but this would be the avenue that he would use to bring that Messiah. And that's why it says, sometimes you might read the gospels first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And what that means is God set the Israel aside and the Jews aside to be a special people, to be that avenue, that channel, to bring forth the Messiah of the world so that all the families of the earth, Genesis 12, would be blessed through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, you're my special people, And listen, keep my commandments that I can set you on high. And it wasn't, I'll set you on high so that you can trample everybody else. And unfortunately, that's where the bulk of Israel went with this. This idea of, you know, even when Christ came, they were hoping Jesus would come and he would hammer the Romans. No, this was, I'll set you upon high so that you could be a city set up on a hill. So that you can be the light of the world. So that your light can shine and so these other people can come into this special covenant that I have put forth to you and have faith as well in the coming Messiah. Well listen, for us here tonight as followers of the Lord, we're special too, do you know that? And we're called to be set apart as well and he wants to set us on high as well to be salt and light. To be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of those around us. Listen to 1 Peter 2 9 through 10, or 9 and 10. He says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy. But now have obtained mercy, and it's it's very similar to what he's saying to Israel then. And we are partakers now of the new covenant, the better covenant. We're a special people again, Uh, and we've been called out of darkness to proclaim his praises and to again let the light of Christ shine to the world around us. That's one of your purposes in life as a follower of the Lord, and that's something that we want to take to heart and. We should even be asking the question, am I letting my light shine or am I hiding it? Am I being a witness of the Lord? Uh, am, am I being effective? And um, We get to Deuteronomy 28. I don't know if we'll get to it tonight. And I set some verses aside there. And, and we might get to it. I might read them or I might not. I don't know. But in, in Romans, the Lord tells Israel, he says, the Gentiles blasphemy, or they blaspheme me because of you and your behavior so they weren't they they didn't really embrace that call very well you know they were called he says honor me obey me and i'll set you on high again and it was to be a light to the world but as a result of their rebellion again we get there into the new testament and the gentiles blasphemy or blasphemy they, they they blaspheme me because of you and you know when i run around and and I see bumper stickers that say, like, Jesus, save me from your people. Oh, those heathens, it's like, yeah, it might just be some bitter individual and some God-hater. But listen, there's some truth in that as well. When the Lord's talking about the end-time church being this lukewarm church, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, and again, it's not something that the Lord beats his sheep. We, he loves us. We're special. We're saved by grace through faith. That's a glorious thing. And I know there's a whole lot of people that don't know the Lord, that call themselves Christians and so forth. But there's also a whole lot of genuine born-again individuals that are very, very lukewarm and very apathetic in their walk with God and who you wouldn't even know are followers of the Lord if you look at their life because they bear very little fruit. And a lot of them are really mean and nasty. Have you ever ran across a, a, a mean and nasty born again? Anyone here? I have. I've ran into them in church before. <laughs> and we, you listen, it's easy to look around and say, look at all these problems in the world and the problems, you know, with the church. And you know, and I, I see a lot of heads nodding as I'm saying this here tonight. What can I do about it? I can look at my own life and say, where am I in these things? That's something that I can control. That's something I can do something about. I I, I can, if there's just a rebellious spirit or a mean streak or a bitterness or if I've gotten apathetic or lukewarm, I I need to bring that before the Lord and confess my sin and say, God, forgive me. And recognize my time here is very short and the time time, uh, is coming when I'll no longer be able to work here on this earth. And so I don't wanna squander my time. You know what? given reason to to have folks put on their bumper sticker you know save me from your people lord and listen there's some of that too that just comes out of again rebellion and people rejecting the gospel but there's a difference between them rejecting the gospel and rejecting the gospel and the way you are as well and again the gentile nations who they were called to be a witness to they blaspheme god because of the behavior of Israel and God didn't say, all oh, those Gentiles, they were way out of line. Well, they were out of line for blaspheming God, but God recognized, listen, it's because of your behavior. That's the reason they're doing that. And and let's let's deal in truth and be honest, right? I mean, we need to do that. And and when you see stuff like that, it's like, should we get all offended or we should should we do a gut check? I think a gut check's more in order. Listen, unbelievers are gonna be like unbelievers. So what? They got a bumper sticker. But what's that say about me? What's that say about us? What's that say about the church and so forth? And I'll quit rattling on about that. Verse 20, or Chapter 27. It says, now Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep all the commandments which I command you today and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. And you shall write on them all the words of this law. When you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God God of your fathers promised you. Therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan and and Mount Ebal, Ebal, that you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime." And you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones, and you shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build them with whole stones, the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God, and you shall offer peace offerings, and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God, and you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. So again, as they're entering there in the promised land, Take these stones and write on them the law. Um, this was probably referring to the Ten Commandments. I, I, I don't think, it could have been referring to, you know, at all of these sub-laws that fall underneath, you know, at the umbrella of each of those Ten Commandments, but it was probably the Ten Commandments that were being written. And the Lord wanted those things written, and he wanted them written very plainly, and in a manner that would pop, you know what, put lime on them so that they will pop, so that you can see them, so that it's going to be like a, you know, for us, neon light there in your face, write them plainly, you know, get someone with, with good penmanship up there to write these things so that, you know what, you can read them. Uh, and this was for multiple reasons. Number one, it was showing them how to live. This is what God wanted for them. It was to bring order into the land or an effort to bring order there. It was to help them to honor God. It was also to set a precedence that if there were law breakers, there would be consequences for that. Because if there's not consequences practically for breaking the law, you're going to have utter chaos. You're going to have utter confusion. You're going to have utter California. That's what you're going to have. <laughs> I mean, when you just, no one, you, you just do whatever and no one cares. I mean, it's funny, but it's true. That, that's, that's why you laughed, because you know what I'm talking about. I mean, some of it is the open rebellion, how talking to someone tonight, a, a, a teacher in her fellowship, and they just passed this law that you, you can't expel a kid from school now. doesn't matter how rebellious or rambunctious or whatever, they, you can't expel them. That's gonna have some backlash big time. Listen, the chickens are coming home to roost. And you're gonna bring a whole bunch of them home with that kind of nonsense. Some kid knows he can just pop off and do whatever, and he he can't. What are you gonna do about it, you know? Stripping yourself of the law to be able to help that? And and listen, oh well, we gotta, you know, they're they're tender little guys. We gotta look out for them. That's the worst thing you could do for that kid. The absolute worst thing that you you could do, that there's no consequence for rebellion? Man, that young soul needs to learn that. If they don't fear authority that they can see. How are they gonna ever fear an authority who's so much greater, who they can't see? God Almighty. Now, he says, write this down so there'll be order, so you'd be set apart from these these Canaanites that, that don't have the law of God, and so that you could honor God. But listen, even more so, The law was given to show all of them they were lawbreakers, that they were sinners, that this is God's standard, and they didn't measure up to it. And one thing they did have an understanding of is that God was and is holy. And here I am a lawbreaker, and here is God who is holy and without sin. How can I have a relationship with him when I'm a lawbreaker? Well, the law was given to show us that we are sinners who need what? Well, let's just try harder. No, we need a savior. The law is the tutor to lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a very sad thing that's happened in our nation since when was it? Like the the 60s. And uh, they took the law of God out of the schools. Uh, We don't need that in here. And listen, that was there for the same reason that God told them to write it here. To bring some order. To set them apart, but more so to show all those little boogers in that classroom they're a pack of little sinners that need the Savior. Because there's conviction that comes from the law of God. And you better believe the enemy of our souls worked overtime to get the Ten Commandments out of every place that he can. He doesn't want people seeing that. Because the law of God pricks the heart and conscience, it shows them they've transgressed God's standard. It's there to convict them, to bring them again to the Savior of the world who kept every jot and every tittle of the law and laid down his life and paid the penalty of our law breaking. And then conquered the wages of our law-breaking death when he rose from the grave. That whoever calls on his name will be saved. And so it made it real clear, man, you need to get these stones out, whitewash them with lime. Get someone who's got some good penmanship here so these things can be read. And then he also says to build an altar. And again, uh, an altar of stones to worship the Lord when, when you enter in. And notice here he says... You shall not use an iron tool on them. This has to do with works. God didn't need them working the altar. Listen, the altar is established through the work of Jesus Christ, not through my works. And so don't take an iron tool to these things. Take the stones as they are. Just stack them. Because if you want to worship the Lord, it doesn't come through our works. It comes through the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. We enter boldly to the throne of God, not because of our works, but because of what he has done for us, his shed blood and by his grace. And that's a glorious thing, especially when you're having an off day, especially when you're the reason why the neighbor just put the bumper sticker on, Lord, save me from your people. And the enemy's just saying, oh man, you can't, God's so angry with you. He wants nothing to do with you. And it's like, you know what? No, Jesus shed his blood for me, and I can enter in boldly, not because of the works of my hands, but because his hands were stretched out and pierced for me, and he paid the penalty of my sin. Isn't that not good news? I think there's someone in here tonight that needed to hear that specifically, so receive it. We all need to hear it generally. Verse 9. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments, his statutes, which I command you today. So again, there's a reiteration. Listen, obey. Don't get sloppy in your walk with the Lord. Be careful to obey. That was for them. And listen, that's for us in our little prayer group tonight, one of the brothers, he said, listen, I want to pray my prayer is that I can get more of God's word in my heart. And it's like, that's, that's a wonderful prayer for all of us. As a psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. And as we hide his word in our heart, let's make sure that again, we think on his word and we're listening to his word. And we got a heart that wants to honor his word. And when you get into that place where you're like, you're indifferent about the word of God, when you're apathetic about the things of the Lord, when you get lukewarm, there should be alarms going off in your life. There should be red flags going on. You should be able to monitor yourself enough to know when you're in that place. I mean, we should be really concerned when we don't have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, The Lord said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? They're going to be filled. And I don't think we should be so concerned, you know, whether I feel filled or unfilled. My concern should be, am I hungering for the Lord? Because the Lord's the the only one who can satisfy you while still stirring your heart up to want to abound in him all the more. And uh, listen, if that's not there or when that gets away from, you know, when, when, when that's void, a red flag should go up. Why am I not hungering for him? Why don't I have that unction? Lord, give me that, that fresh unction. And listen, carve out a little time. Take half an hour. Oh, half an hour. Yeah, Take half an hour. Take an hour. Go find a prayer closet. Get in there and work it out with the Lord. Get out there and get 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 down and get into the nitty gritty with God, Lord. This is what's going on in my life, and I need a fresh touch from you. And it's okay to shed some tears in there. Maybe raise your voice a little bit, even if you need to, and pour it out before your God, so that you can leave there different than when you went in there before His, you know, at the throne and at the, the throne of grace, so to speak. It's so important that we do that. Some thoughts came to mind about Sunday's message, but I'll save those for Sunday. So we got to get through this chapter here tonight. Um, So again, um, obey his voice. And then we come here to verse 11. And through the end of the chapter, it's interesting. We see these curses being proclaimed concerning specific sins. And then the people shouting amen to that or so be it or this is the final authority and i think what was going on is the lord was you know at creating a display that would be impacting on them something that would be awesome that would be hard to soon forget verse 11 it says and moses commanded the people on the same day saying these shall stand on mount gerizim to bless the people when you've crossed over the jordan simeon levi Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And so, one group on Mount Gerizim, uh, the other on Mount Ebal. And what creates in the middle of these mountains is is, a, is is basically a massive amphitheater. And I mean, this is a this is an awesome display. You know, these tribes on these two mountains proclaiming these blessings and these curses. And and this was that second generation really going full throttle now into this covenant with God that he's our God and we're obeying him and we're going into this land of Canaan, this land of giants, and we're believing the Lord's going to give it to us. And he's bringing judgment on these nations because they're no longer ashamed of their sin and they have have opportunity to repent and and. You know what? They've, they've made their choice, and God's bringing us in here, and we want to walk in His call and His command, and we're a special people that He wants to bring the Savior of the world through so that all the families of the earth can be blessed. And so they're entering in, and so this, there's, this, this, again, this awesome display of these proclamations and the people together saying, Yes, we agree to this. So, verse 14, He says, And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice. And say to all the men of Israel, and then he gets into these specific curses, 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 and uh, an extra S there I didn't need. In addition to these curses and blessings, it seemed then there was specific things that the Levites would say, and then the men specifically would say amen to you. So we're going to look at a list of these right now. Verse 15, cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret, all the people shall answer and say amen. So the Levite would proclaim this in the gathering here, this massive gathering. You know, what, if someone makes a card or molded image, it's an abomination to God. And if they set it up in secret, again, they're gonna be cursed. And I think this gets down to people thinking that they can do something and because no one else knows about it, they'll just be fine. And there's those temptations with the laws of God. Well, it's okay as long as no one knows about it, right? As long as no one's finding out about it, I'm getting away with it, it's all right. And that's worldly sorrow when people are sorrowful that they got caught versus godly sorrow when you're repentant because you're in sin against God. And he's just making it real clear. Listen, you might go in and do this. You might make that card or mold an image. And most of those were sexual in nature, in appearance, and so forth. Again, it would most likely be modeled after uh, a Canaanite um, goddess or god, which were, for the most part, grossly perverse. It would be imploring a demonic entity for blessing. And this would be speaking about someone playing the part outwardly, but again, in their home or behind closed doors, worshiping a, a, a demon, really. And the, you know, they're, they're saying, listen, even if you do it secretly, there's going to be a curse that comes from God. He's going to serve you. You're going to be put in check. And everyone's supposed to say, amen. So be it. I agree with it. Unfortunately, listen, Israel would fall deep, deep, deep into idolatry as a nation and many individuals. And uh, you know what? Most of it was done, a lot of it outwardly with some of the more rebellious kings. But at other times, it was done secretly. I think with Ezekiel's day, he talks about climbing through the wall and going into the inner chambers of the temple. He gives them a vision. And what's he seeing there? All these supposed priests and they're worshiping the sun in the east. And they're, they're, they're worshiping uh, Tumaz, uh, Nimrod's son, who's, who is a, a, a false messiah that came, you know what, uh, way back in the days of Babel and so forth. Thinking, oh, we're getting away with this. But no, there's a curse that comes with that. Amen, so be it. And, you know, we think about today, there's not a lot of folks necessarily setting up a molded image Carving that out, but man, there are so many material things that it's so easy to put in front of God and even begin to fool ourselves to say, well, you know, God's in front of that. We need to be honest with ourselves. And how many times, again, do folks and how many times have all of us before practiced idolatry in our heart? Listen, God doesn't bless that. God, again, blesses us, He's faithful to us, His grace is sufficient. But idolatry in the heart, it grieves the spirit of God. It absolutely does. Verse 16, cursed is the one who threats, who treats his father and mother with content, and all the people shall say amen. And we talked about earlier, again, the, the um, death penalty for a rebellious son, and even talked about how, boy, that would probably be the last thing a parent would ever want to do, is drag their brat, you know, out to be judged and so forth. You you want your kid to be saved. Uh, But they're all saying amen to it. That's huge. Because a lot of this, no doubt, would happen in the supermarket and whatnot. You know, in the toy section there at Walmart. And they're all saying amen. You never see it, though. You never see it exercised, though, after this. I mean, even Eli the priest, the high priest, we talked about this before, his sons, the sons of the high priest are stealing the fat of the sacrifice that's supposed to be burned unto the Lord because it's the most flavorful, tasty part. And then there's women that come to worship the temple and they're going out and and lying with them, which is really, it's, it's implied in the scripture. They're, they're using their p- religious position to take advantage of these women. Oh, not, that's any, not that anyone's done that, you know, in these days we're living in. It's a powerful position where you can manipulate people really, really easy. Some people get real weird with it. You know, oh, pastor, and like, yeah, well, yeah, but listen, he's God, I'm just a guy here. So, but the high priest, again, his sons were rebellious and all he said is, oh, my sons, And then God killed his sons. I think they would have been better off if he said, listen, (laughs) you're not going to be at the temple anymore. We're going to deal with you boys. Verse 17. um, Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark and all the people shall say amen. And there's so many laws in the scripture about property rights and land ownership and so forth. Um, Listen. God gave them that land and then gave specific parts of it to specific tribes and people so they could flourish there. And think about Jezebel when she, you know, Ahab's all sad because Naboth won't give him his field. Because Naboth didn't give that field because of faith. And then she says, we'll, we'll throw him a banquet and I'll hire two scoundrels and we'll, we'll make up a false accusation. And we'll have him killed. As a result of that, listen, Jezebel was cursed. That's when finally judgment was brought declared on her, and she ended up getting thrown out of a window and eaten by dogs. And so uh, respect other people's stuff is what this is saying. Again, our, our nation is, is, is uh, twisting a lot of God-given rights and laws, and it won't, it won't end well. Verse 18, Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say amen. Because again, if it's just you and a blind guy, Who's going to see you make him wander off the road? The blind guy's not going to, but you know who is? God. And how many times do people take advantage of someone because they have more power, that, power than them and they think, well, no one will find out or whatever? Uh, God knows and God sees. Plus, that's just dumb too, especially nowadays. Everyone sees everything nowadays. You ain't, you ain't getting away with anything nowadays. Verse 19. Verse 19. Cursed and and people still don't care. (laughs) Well, (laughs) cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to strangers, the fatherless, the widow, and all the people shall say, "Amen." It kind of goes along with the blind individual. Again, these would be people that would be easy to bully, but you're going to be cursed by God because you can't bully the Lord. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed, and all the people shall say, "Amen." Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say amen. All of this falls under the banner of adultery. Listen, the only sexual relationship ordained by God is one man and one woman and holy matrimony. Everything outside of that is sexual sin. That's just the easy way to present it. And so he's getting into some specifics here, but he's especially, they're especially emphasizing uh, incest and, and relations, you know, at, with a relative. Because with the law of Moses, there were some things that changed. People say, Oh, where did King get his wife? Oh, he married his sister. Oh! Listen, the gene pool wasn't corrupt at that point. Yeah, he married his sister. There, there wasn't a perversity in it. Um, the, the, we're not evolving, we're devolving genetically. Each generation gets a little dumber. It's true. Listen, the ancients were, br- were brilliant. We, we might know more now, but that doesn't mean we're smarter. You're like, oh man, you're tearing me down here, Steve. Listen, one day it will all be restored and it will be glorious. So this was to the point where, listen... With Abraham, I'm reading through Genesis of my devotions, and Abraham marries his half-sister. And, and when he said, oh, this is my sister to Pharaoh and Abimelech, he was actually telling the truth, though he wasn't being forthright. He was lying while telling the truth. At this point, that had to stop. Again, the gene pool was in a place now where this is going to be detrimental to your people. The, 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 the genes can't mix anymore. So... I'm gonna finish the chapter, verse 24. Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly and all the people shall say amen. And again, the idea of my neighbor's gone, so I'm gonna sabotage him, I'll get away with it. Well, listen, again, the God, God sees it. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person and all the people shall say amen. And it's bad enough to take a bribe, but even worse to take one uh, you know, with someone who's innocent. And cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law, and all the people shall say amen. And listen, a lot of folks would be in trouble today. And are in trouble today. Because they don't confirm the words of God. And the word of God. And uh, that's not just in the world, unfortunately. A lot of people run around like, oh, we're only red letter Christians. You know what, I'm not into... All of the word of God, just the red letters, the things that Jesus spoke. Jesus is God's son. He wrote all of it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, God, and the word was God. Picking and choosing. Man, there's a curse that comes with that. Embrace all of God's word. Don't salad bar it. Don't say, I want a little this and that, but I don't want this. It won't be To your benefit. People doing that thinking that's to their benefit. It's not. God's word is his love letter to his children. It is meant to bless, to liberate, to empower. Again, it's wonderful. It's good. Can we say amen to that? Well, Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your word. We just thank you for your person. Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. We are lawbreakers, but you kept the law and you, again, laid down your life for us to make that way of salvation let's be found a people god being true with you and honest with you and growing in you god your grace is so good lord what a tragic thing to receive grace upon salvation and not to grow in it we want to grow in it lord and if there's any here tonight lord that 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 haven't called on you lord we know lord you love them so much and lord we know that you desire for them to do that and Listen, the scripture makes it clear, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's a matter, again, of asking Jesus to be your Lord, which means you're not your Lord anymore. It's repentance and turning from your way. It's a change of mind to say, Lord, I I want you to govern my life. I want you to be my Lord. I, I believe you died and rose from the grave for me. Wash me and forgive me and save me. And listen, the Lord will meet you where you're at absolutely a humble and contrite heart, he will not refuse. Lord, just bless the rest of our evening, and we just thank you for your goodness, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.